We're John and Robin Voyles of Celebrate Libraries, speaking today with David Totten of the New Berlin Historical Society. David will be talking with us about uh, corn alfalfa farms, uh, the Swartz family, and some history of uh, New Berlin, Wisconsin. Uh, thank you for taking the time today, David. You're very welcome. Is there a particular place that you would like to start as far as uh, you know, a brief profile or outline of the, uh, of the family, its origins in New Berlin, uh, the development of the farm, some of their uh, uh, technological uh, advances of the time? Uh, mm -hmm. Any place you want to start would be great. Well, we could start early on when New Berlin was actually begun in 1839, the government had platted out the property so that it could be sold, and the land sales occurred in the fall of 1839, and that includes the six miles by six miles township. It originally was named Mentor, but within a year or so, the name was changed to New Berlin, and it's remained pretty much those boundaries ever since those first days, except for one small annex, but the property boundaries are about the same, mm -hmm. and it remained a township until 1959 when it became a city. The Swartz family arrived in New Berlin about 1844, so that's about five years after the land became available for purchase. David, what would they have seen, um, these pioneer families in the 1840s, what, if you were able to describe the, uh, the land? What would, it, what would you think it would have been like? Well, it was primarily forested okay. with oaks, maples, uh, pretty much hardwood forests for most of it. There was some marshland, some a very few open savanna-type land, however. It was up to the settlers pretty much to clear the land for their support, for their endeavors in farming. The Swartz's purchased 80 acres, which was a common land-sized plot, which was probably entirely forested. It had a log house on it, as far as we know. They purchased one cow, the log house, and the property. And they, they had very little at the time. The story is that they borrowed horses to use for some of their work. Later on, they purchased a pair of oxen which they used for quite some time. But their start was basically forested land, very little cleared at the time, and which they thrived over the years in producing the very large corn buffalo farms. When they did travel from Germany to get uh, New York State, where they stayed for seven or eight years before coming over here to New Berlin, the family included... Peter Sr. and his wife, Philippine, uh, William, and his wife, whom he married in New York State, actually, uh, Anna, Anna Phillips, and Peter Morgan, who was two years old. So there was uh, three generations of Swartzes that arrived here in New Berlin in 1844. Mm -hmm. As Peter Morgan began writing a diaries at an early age, we don't know when. Uh, the diary collection we have begins in 1864, but we uh, have reference to the fact that he, that some of the earlier diaries that he wrote were lost because of a leak in the attic. 
So uh, ours only uh, started 1864 when Peter Morgan was 22 years old and continued throughout his life. He died in 1919. And there are further diaries written by others after that. But that gives, a, gives us a, a window into his life. Diaries don't express feelings very often. They just express what's happened. They don't even express why they made certain decisions, but just what they, how they acted. But occasionally, feelings do creep in. And so you do get a picture of Peter Morgan one of the one of the earliest and best pictures are during his courtship of his wife mm-hmm. when he traveled uh, in during that time of his bachelor period he traveled and looking for I'm sure social opportunities mm-hmm. so he would go to what they called singing schools up here at the Fruo Baptist Church and other churches and but he often stopped in to, to visit his uncle, Uncle Phillips. He would stop to visit his uncle Phillips. Uncle Phillips was turned out to be the father of Catherine Phillips, but he he uh, he mentions CMP many times in his diary, and it not a while before you realize CMP was Catherine M. Phillips. He courted her for several years and ended up marrying her in 1866. But they went on to have seven children and uh, celebrated uh, 50th anniversaries and um, she died two or three years after he did in 1922. Yes, of the family, Peter Morgan had seven children, five boys and two girls. And the, the oldest boy, went to farming, and he ended up uh, farming on the west side of Waukesha. The two girls uh, uh, didn't marry. One of them lived in uh, Waukesha. The other lived in Milwaukee. Uh, The uh, second oldest son became a school teacher and and superintendent in schools and had a successful career there. Mm -hmm. And the three youngest sons remained farmers. Uh, initially, the three of them were given management of the farm in 1906. One of them decided to go out on his own and left the partnership, and so the farm remained uh, with the other two sons for the latter part of Peter Morgan's life. One, one thing that I find reading the diaries, indeed they did work, it was that's farming. You you have your chores, which is not the work that is reported. The chores are everyday sorts of things. And then you have the field work, which is the extra work. And they always have to be busy at something. In the summertime, of course, it's planting and harvesting crops. In the wintertime, it was mostly, besides the chores, cutting wood. They did substantial amounts of uh, commerce in wood. They sold wood to various entities like Carroll University, or which was just uh, was Carroll College, or earlier Carroll um, uh, Academy. 
and they sold to the schools and other people. But cutting wood was a major wintertime undertaking by all people. Well, I don't quite know what Peter Morgan's motivation or why he began, but the the record shows that he did uh, start to grow alfalfa in the late 1800s. In those days, alfalfa was called lucerne. It's another name for alfalfa. And so the diary mentions that he put in some lucerne. Now, uh, it's quite interesting that from that time on, he never mentions again that he harvested lucerne or grew lucerne, so we don't really know. But about 1906, when he turned over operation of the farm to his three sons, and they became known as the Swartz brothers, they made a decision to grow more alfalfa. And at that time, alfalfa, and still is, a touchy crop to grow in these conditions. The son, the older son of the three that were involved in the farm at the time decided, in fact, that they would need to do some research to determine the best variety to grow. And they actually cooperated with the University of Wisconsin with extensive field trials and others to try to determine the best type of alfalfa to grow in Wisconsin conditions, and also to develop the practices that would be the most likely to succeed in growing alfalfa. So they're well known for that. And in fact, uh, the son, the older son, Peter Charles, became active in what was known as the Farmers Institute, which uh, developed what you might call lectures around the around the circuit during the winter to educate farmers. Mm-hmm. And they were known as alfalfa experts. Didn't one of their um, crops win an award at, on the West Coast? Indeed. Uh, the Swartz won awards for grain in some of the early, like the 1893 World's Fair. But the 1915 exposition in San Francisco, they won a gold medal for, medal for their chief of alfalfa. In 1912, they had applied for and received the, the copyright cornfalfa farms. And that was based upon the fact that they wanted to emphasize their alfalfa, commercial alfalfa production. There was a ability to sell goods in Milwaukee and Waukesha as communities, and as time went on, those communities grew. The farm productivity improved with the reapers and the new machinery that became available, and the farmers grew along with it, and Peter Morgan is a good example of that. His 80 acres, by 1915, the 80 acres that he started with, they were farming over 500. Reaper was a seminal development, no question about it. In up to that time, farmers did everything by hand. They had they they plowed the ground with horse and plow and harrowed, so they had some horsepower to apply to that part of it. Then they would of course scatter the seeds and it would the grain would grow. To harvest the grain they needed to take a knife 
and, or later a cradle that would cut the grain, and then they would leave it in shocks, and then they would take, take it to the barn, and they'd beat out the grain with the flail, and then they, would, uh, they could separate it by simply um, allowing the wind to blow the chaff away. And later on, they had the fanning mill, which was a hand-cranked machine that would help separate and clean the grain. But those were all hand operations. And the cutting was particularly uh, onerous. So when the reaper came along, which which allow which basically mechanized the cutting operations, so they could apply a horse now to cutting the grain. So the seminal development was the cutter bar, in my view, that McCormick perfected, that allowed the machine to move along the ground and actually cut the grain, and it laid over on a platform, and a man walking alongside would rake the grain off in the platform. Peter Morgan bought a reaper in, I think, 1868, but I can't recall the date exactly. But in those period, he did buy a reaper. Uh, he, Peter Morgan himself was not often the first to buy anything in his neighborhood. He would often wait. It would seem to see how things went, how his neighbors fared. And, in fact, we see where he often or would occasionally compare how his reaper worked with his neighbors. And in any case, uh, he did have a reaper fairly early on, and he did upgrade his reaper. And in fact, in our museum today, we have a reaper that was patented in 1884 or so, I believe, called the Royce Reaper, which was the second-generation reaper. This reaper is called the, the uh, Rake Arm Reaper, and it eliminates the man walking beside and raking it off because it will rake off the grain after it's cut on its own. Oh, a labor saver. A labor saver. So you're down, you've saved one man, you'll have to have a man driving the horse. And so that was the uh, next step up. But that, that, that's just one story of productivity where increasingly the farmer could apply horsepower to his chores and thus amplify his own efforts. David, is there something more that you'd like to bring up that you would like to include in this? I guess I would like to emphasize that we are we have transcribed all of Peter Morgan Schwartz's diaries uh, and the rest of the family. So there's, although not every year present, there's basically 100 years' worth of diaries that we've transcribed from the written to the typewritten text, so it's searchable. And we have a great number of artifacts donated from the Swartz estate to uh, use in our museum here. And using those, we have, we're trying to produce a display that kind of incorporates or is an expose of, of uh, agricultural history. All right for New Berlin. If people um, are interested in, in these uh, subjects, they can contact you if they'd like to see uh, see some of them and uh, take a tour, set up a tour. Indeed, we, we have tours available. To If you go to our website, you can find a link to our tour director, a phone number, and also our open houses schedule is all on the website. And 
so we're glad to see anybody come by at those events as well. And I also should mention that we have many pictures uh, on the web. Uh, if you just Google or search on cornfalfa farms, you come up with a lot of hits, including links to those photographs. Early photos of New Berlin are scarce, and we welcome any contributions. And they don't have to be originals, or if they are originals, we can scan them and give you back the originals. But we would be delighted to be able to increase our, our archive. And of course, uh, I'm sure financial uh, contributions are always welcome. Indeed. As well. Yes, they are. Thank, they would be welcome. Well, David, I want to thank you very much for taking the time today. Appreciate it. Again, this is John and Robin Boyles of Celebrate Libraries speaking with David Totten of New Berlin Historical Society. It's been my pleasure.